Acts chapter 8. Brother Jim preached from Acts chapter 9 uh, last week, and this week we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. So if you'll turn your Bibles there, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. If you would stand or honor the reading of God's Word, uh, we'll get right into the message. And when you're there, say amen. I love the book of Acts, the actions of the apostles. That's what this literally means. Let's pick up reading in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Praise the Lord that the Lord sent somebody south, right? He said, Go towards the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of all Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, or, or you can just say Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities Till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for the good spirit that is here this morning. And God, I praise you that you have sent the Holy Spirit, Lord, to minister to your people, God, and to meet with us. And God, I just pray that you would uh, continue to move as we go into the, the preaching of your word. And God, I just pray that everybody in this building is right with you. But Lord, if they're not, God, I just pray that you would move on them this morning and that, God, that you would convict and deal with people. And Lord, I just pray that people would leave here differently than they came in this morning. And God, I just pray that you would touch each one that's here, God, and just bless as only you can. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as I open and proclaim your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Philip is a guy that we don't hear a lot about in, in the uh, New Testament. 
We know the Apostle Paul wrote several books, and I alluded to Peter earlier, and and they had these great testimonies, and they had these these great ministries that they had. But Philip is is sort of just an, I don't want to say an afterthought, but he's put in here just in a short section of Scripture. And Philip is out, and, and he is obviously under the leadership of the Holy Spirit because we find here that God, it says first, that God actually sent an angel of the Lord and said, Philip, go towards the south. And, and Philip goes and he does what the Holy Spirit or what God had bidden him and he goes. And, and I want you to understand this, that when the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, it was, it was no accident what was about to happen. I don't believe with God that accidents happen. Would you say amen to that? That when God sends somebody or when God tells somebody to do something, that he has a purpose behind that. And that God always, when, when he says go, that, that there's, there's a reason for your going. Or, or in this case, Philip's going. And so uh, thankfully he obeys what God says for him to do. And he goes and it says that he's just going along and he, he spots somebody and it says and as he went behold a man of Ethiopia a man of great authority under the Candace the queen was sitting there this this was Candace now Candace is, is actually a historical queen of Ethiopia you can look her up please don't do that on your phone right now just look her up after the service but she was a, a, a queen of Ethiopia and, and in a series of of actually queens that ruled instead of kings and this guy was her banker This Ethiopian eunuch was her banker, and he was a very trusted man. He must have been a man that was of high character. I want you to understand this. Could you imagine being the the treasurer or the banker of of somebody that's the highest person in the nation? Just imagine being the the banker or the treasurer for the United States of America. That would be a nightmare, first of all, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a nightmare? But then you think about that the man had great responsibility and he must have been a very respected man and a very morally uh, good man for, for the Ethiopians to put their trust in this man and trust him with all the riches of the kingdom. And it said that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, uh, some people would say that maybe he was a Jew and that he had came to worship God. And, or maybe he was just coming to seek. And, and maybe he had heard that there was, there was something different about Jerusalem and there was something going on there. Remember, this is after Jesus had been crucified. And he could have been going down there seeking to find out what was going on. But apparently he had left empty-handed because he's sitting there and he has a scroll. Or he has a, maybe a, a piece of paper made out of, of, of plant material of, or of animal hide or of, of some sort of media like that. And he's sitting there reading it. And he's reading what we know as Isaiah chapter 53 verses uh, 7 and 8. And I'll read that to you in, in the familiar context that we have. Isaiah 53, and I'll, I'm going to read just a couple of more verses. Verse 6 says, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, him being Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare to this generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living... For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. This, this eunuch, I don't know what he was seeking or, or what was going on in his life that day. But he had opened, it, it, I'm going to say this in quotations, his Bible, okay? Because they didn't have a Bible like we have back then. 
But he had this piece of scripture, and he was studying on it. And no doubt, it, we are going to find out due to the context of the scripture, he didn't completely understand what he, he was reading. He wasn't sure who was it was even talking about. Was Isaiah talking about himself? And so Philip, it says that in verse 30, that Philip actually ran to him under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither, and he heard him reading Isaiah. And he asked him, he said, Do you understand what you're reading? This guy says, No. He said, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't understand what I'm reading here. And, and, and uh, he says, How can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now I want you to understand how, how awesome this situation is, that, that, that this, this encounter was not by chance, that, that God knew that that eunuch would be reading that particular scripture and not understand it, and God sent his preacher to this particular man on this day where he was at to explain this to him. And I'll tell you what's wonderful about this thing that Philip could have done something. He could have just explained it and, and gave him and gave him what it you know what it means and been real theological about it and ecclesiastical and said, Well, you know, this is the context and this is what it said in Hebrew and, and all these things. Philip could have done that, but what he did is he reads this scripture and in verse 35, and then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. I'm going to take just a, a little, little side note for just a moment and I'm going to tell you something. If anybody ever tells you that you can't find Jesus in the Old Testament, they don't know what they're talking about because he is all over the Bible and some would say this, and, and I've been reading into it recently, that, that some people should say that we should not preach from the Old Testament. And you know what I say about that? And, and this is a term from White County, so it may not make sense. That's baloney. You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say that's baloney, right? That is not a true statement. You can preach the Old Testament as well as the New. And so he was reading the prophet Isaiah and Philip began to preach to him at the same scripture. And, and I, won't, I wouldn't even begin to imagine what Philip said to him because it was probably far more eloquent than what I can say. But he said, this man that was led to the cross, he said, this is Jesus himself. And Jesus did not open his mouth. Jesus did not try to resist or put up a fight. And he probably began to tell him that the reason that Jesus didn't put up a fight is because he had to die for our sins. Amen? And so he preaches to this scripture and, and he tells him, and, and no doubt Philip goes through, tells him how that Jesus died on a cross and then he tells him that Jesus rose from the dead and now that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for that very eunuch sin, that very day. And I would say this is, this is just supposition because of what happens in the next few verses but I would assume that he tells him about water baptism, right? Maybe. I mean, that, that's the way the scripture kind of turns in a minute. And then he says, and, and when you get saved, and, and then you go down and, and you get baptized to represent that new birth. That's what baptism's about, right? Say amen. 
We don't believe as free will Baptist. Water saves you. Amen. What saves you? The blood of Jesus Christ. But I still believe we need to baptize people just to show the world that there is a change in them. And so the eunuch asked this question. They get to the, they get to the water. And it says, as they came their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And here's what I'm going to preach on this morning. And this is going to be a different kind of message. But, but I'm going to preach on hindrances. Things that are, are between you and where you need to go. Everybody understands what a hindrance is, right? It should be pretty obvious. He uses this word hinder. He says, he says what is hindering me or what doth hinder me to be baptized? See, the eunuch, he was, he was on this side over here. And he was still at this point, he was lost. Now you notice I set that up and, and I did it on purpose to point out to you that this was probably a good man, right? This was probably a guy that, that lived right, that did what he was supposed to. He was very trusted, but at the end of the day, you know what he was? He was lost. He was lost. And he knew after Philip had preached the sermon that, that he had to be saved. He, I think he at least understood that. He understood the process of baptism. And so baptism's over there. And he knew that between him and baptism there was something. And let me say this, and, and this, is, this is sort of the message this morning. That God, when, when you get saved, God calls you to baptism. We would say that, Right? I believe that. You, you, you can be wrong if you want to, but I believe that that's what God does. But did you know that once we get saved, that God is calling us to do other things? That God does not stop talking to people once we get saved. That, that it doesn't stop with the Holy Spirit convicting people and then they arrive at salvation and, and then they move forward. That actually God continues to talk to people after that and God continues to call people to do things and ask us to do things. I want you to understand this. Ask the church. We are, I heard one guy say it like this, that, that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. I want you to understand that, that, that if, if there's going to be a hand, reach out into the community. You know, you know whose hand it should be doing that? Your hand. If there's going to be feet that are going to, to places to minister to people, you know whose feet are going to do that? Your feet. I mean, you know, sometimes money may be, need to be given to somebody to minister. You know who, whose money that might be? Well, oh no, he's talking about money. <laughs> That could be your money, right? I'm just saying, that's just an example. But God calls us to do things. But see, the thing about it is that that's all good and well. And, and I still think that no matter where you're at in your life, if you're, if you're in a, a personal relationship with God, if you've been saved, God will tell you to do things. God will ask you to do things. And he may not just physically send an angel like he did to Philip. That would be great sometimes, wouldn't it, for clarity's sake. Have you ever wondered, you know, when God, you think God is asking you to do something, but you're just not sure? That's happened to me a lot. When I was called to preach, I was 18 years old. And, and, uh, and God called me to preach. And I thought, really? God, do you know me? 
Do you understand who I am? And so I would have liked for an angel to just come down to, to Sparta, down there on Browntown Road where I lived, and just showed up one day and say, hey, by the way, Seth, you need to be preaching. But God didn't do that. And so, and, and th- I'll give you my testimony about that a little later. But God is calling people to do something every single day. But you know what happens? We have hindrances. See, we're over here, we're right here, wherever we're at in our life right now, wherever you're at right now, I can, you can probably almost think of something that God has told you to do or God has asked you to do, and you know that's sort of over there. Because I want you to understand that, that in the Christian walk, we should always be moving forward. We should always be making progress in the right direction. Amen? But sometimes we get sidetracked and, and sometimes we get hindered. And I thought, you know, we always need to be growing in the Lord. That is something that we should always be doing. You should automatically agree with that. As a Christian, you should say, hey, I, you know, I know more about the Lord right now than I did yesterday. Yesterday, excuse my voice. Uh, I'm closer to God than I was this time last year, whatever it may be. But a lot of times we have hindrances in our life. And sometimes these may be actual physical hindrances. It may be that that something is getting in our way. But let me tell you this, that a lot of times what keeps us from growing in the Lord is not an outside force. It's not them or they or, or this. You know what it is? It's us. Amen. Sometimes it's just the fact that something's getting in our way. And and I'll tell you one thing that, that gets in a lot of people's way, and it has gotten in my way many times, is an unrepentant heart. You know, you've got something in your life that shouldn't be there. You ever had that happen to you? Oh, man, everybody in here is saints. We can go home. I don't need to preach anymore. Come on now, people. You ever done something and... And, and know it's wrong and, and you kept that sin in your heart and, and you've harbored it and it, it may be any kind of sin. It may be that you're mad at somebody or you, you refuse to get, forgive somebody or this happens or that happens and, and before you know it, you know what it's doing? It's hindering your relationship with God. It's hindering your forward progress. You can't go any further until you do something about that. See, the thing about it is, is, is a lot of times we know what we're supposed to be doing. That, we know that. It's obvious what we should be doing sometimes and growing in the Lord, studying the Word of God, our prayer life, and and all these things that that strengthen our relationship with God to the Christian. They should be second nature and they should be very obvious and we shouldn't question that. But yet we still have hindrances. We still have things that come between us and God. And I think, as I said, a big one is sin. A big one is an unrepentant heart. But, but I'll go a step further and say this. Do you know why some Christians are not going, growing closer to the Lord? Here's their hindrance. And bear with me. They're lazy. Oh, man. Am I, am I telling the truth? Some folks are just lazy. They're just, they're, and, and, you know, back when I was growing up, my parents used to say they're just too sorry. They just won't do it. Just, just they've, got, they've got other things that they'd rather do and, and they just get lazy. And I'm going to quickly move on and, and because I think I made a few people mad. No, I'm not. That's not why I'm moving on. But. And then here's another one, a hindrance. Get this, and this is, this is actually a very serious problem, I believe. If some people are hindered 
in, in maybe their Bible study and, and other things because they just don't understand. You know, that, that, that's, now obviously the eunuch need to be saved, but it's a very good example right there, very obvious in Scripture, that he just didn't get what he was reading. Have you ever, as a Christian, read the Bible and just didn't get it? I have. If, if, you think, well, if you think, well, I get everything in the Bible, I'm going to find you some verses in Ezekiel after the service and we're going to sit down and have a talk. Because there's some things that I just don't get. And you know what? Sometimes that's a hindrance to me. So here's the thing about hindrances. is we can identify where we need to go and a lot of times we can, we can even identify a hindrance, but the thing is, is, is we don't do anything about the hindrance a lot. We just leave it there. We just, we just you know, think, well, I'm stuck and I can't go any further and, and, and we just sit there. And we just get complacent where we're at and we get stagnant. And before you know it, we get this. This is a very free will Baptist word I'm about to throw at you. We don't actually move forward, but we begin to backslide. You ever heard that word? That was almost a dance move, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to dance, but anyway, no, I'm really not. We get, we get, we, sometimes we start actually moving in the other direction if we're not careful. And I don't want that to be anybody here. I don't want that to be any of the brothers and sisters in the church. I want to see forward progress in your life. Why? Because that's what the Bible says that we need to have. We need to run this race well. Amen? And so a lot of times, growing in the Lord, we have a lot of hindrances. But, but then I, I alluded to this earlier that sometimes God calls you to do something. And it may be something really big. And it may be something really small, but God is still calling people to do things. Now, now back to my testimony, and many of you have heard this, and I don't know how long it's been since I've told it because my brain is still not right from where that cow whooped me real good. But when God called me to preach, I was 18 years old. I want you to understand this. Now, I, I grew up in church all my life, and and. I went to church, and we, we did what was right, and I played music in church, you know, and I honestly thought that, that playing music was what I was supposed to do. I like to play music. I really do. I love it. I like to just sit down and, and, and just pick an instrument and just play it. And I was playing in church every Sunday, and occasionally I would lead the singing, and, and every once in a while they would let me teach Sunday school and, and all these things, you know, and I was, I was doing okay. When I was 18, God began to deal with me. And he said, all right, it, it's, it's time to start preaching. And that's when I began to question God. That's when I began to say, are, are you sure you've got the right guy? And I'll tell you what became a hindrance to me. And I think it's a hindrance to a lot of people that God is calling to do something. Is you do not feel qualified to do what God has called you to do. I didn't feel qualified. I mean, I read my Bible and, and I knew John 3.16 and Psalm 23 and the Romans Road and, and I knew enough scripture to be dangerous, you know. But at the end of the day, I thought, God, why would you want me to be a preacher? You've got guys that are a lot smarter than I am, guys that, that, that can articulate messages better than I can. Why don't you call one of them? And I began to make excuses, and I, and I had a, that hindrance in my life, and, and I didn't feel like I was worthy. I didn't feel like I had the ability to do that. 
I'm going to pick on a guy, Brother George. Can I pick on you, Brother? George, George can get ill-tempered, so that's why I asked him. But uh, uh, when I was talking to George, did, y'all know George has set aside to be a deacon, right? Uh, George has set aside to be a deacon, along with Anthony and Cecil. And, uh, and, and I was talking to George about it, and, and I just kind of began to just hint around at it a little bit. And, and you know, I didn't, I didn't just hit him all at once, because if I did, I knew he would, he'd probably, you know, be like a turtle and go back in the shell and close up on me. And so finally, I just asked him, I said, I said, would you be interested in being a deacon at this church? I said, you've been here 10 years, and, and you teach a Sunday school class, and you're highly regarded. And I told, I, I, I told you all that, didn't I? And uh, the first thing that George said to me, and, and this is a good attitude, don't get me wrong, is I don't feel worthy. You said that, didn't you, brother? That's what he said to me. And, I, and, and, and so I looked at him and I thought, well, I said, that's a good attitude because the minute that you start feeling worthy, we have a problem. Amen? Yeah? <laughs> but, but wonderfully, as, as I said, George has been now set aside and will be a deacon in, a, in about January. And so he didn't let that hinder him. But don't you understand that there's a lot of people that God, are, God is still calling to do things that may be, it may not be to preach the gospel. It may not be to be a deacon. It may be that God's calling you to be a Sunday school teacher. Or you know what there's a dearth of in the world? Is, is people that are willing to lay aside their American life and go be a missionary around the world. Did you know that? Amen, Brother Ronnie? Brother Ronnie's headed to Haiti tomorrow, and, and, and I heard that Tammy actually canceled his return ticket, and he's going to be a missionary to Haiti next month. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but what Ronnie would like to see, and, and, and people that love missions, we need, we need people to go into the world. There's 7 billion people in this world. And, and how many of us are Christians? There's 2 billion. I, I, I read the statistic the other day. I, one, I think 1.6 billion people in the world are Muslims now. It's, 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 it's the fastest growing and, and most widespread religion in the world. And, and I'll say this, you know what those people need? They need Jesus. And somebody's got to tell them. And sure, they, they might can get a broadcast or read a Bible, but the chances of them picking up a Bible and reading it is very slim. And so they need somebody to go to them. And in some cases, minister to them. And guess what? People are still being called to do that. But back to my, my call to preach. I was called to preach and, and I started giving God excuses and it just so happened. And, and my father-in-law will attest to this fact. Uh, our pastor got arrested, right? It's a terrible time. And I won't talk about what he got arrested for. It's not worth talking about. The pastor of my church got arrested. Free Will Baptist Church, White County, Tennessee. And I, I looked at him, and I thought, if that guy can mess up and fail, I can mess up and fail. And so that's, that's when I, I, I said, I'm not going to do it. That, uh, there's, there's no way I need to be preaching. I, I, re, I highly regarded that guy, and I'm not saying we should glorify men because men fail, right? People fail. Let me say this. If you're looking at me as your beacon of hope, Start looking at Jesus. Take your eyes off me and look at him. Amen? 
Because, I, I mean, I'm a human just like you are. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that I've done anything. Get arrested, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong that way. But I, put my, I, I was looking at him and I thought, if he can, and I let that hinder me for seven years. And finally, when I was 25, uh, seven years later, I answered the call to preach. And here I am today. But let me, let me tell you this, for those seven years, that hindrance was always there. That it wasn't that when I said, God, I, I don't want to preach and I can't preach, that God said, oh, I must have got the wrong guy. I must have been talking about the guy in the pew next to you. The Holy Spirit must have accidentally convicted the wrong person. No, he was after me. And so I had that hindrance in my life for so long. I needed to be over there. I needed to be doing what God had called me to do, but yet I wouldn't do it. Has God ever called you to do anything? Anything. It can be, it can be simple. It can be a big job or a little job or whatever it is. God has something for you to do. Don't let, don't let things hinder you. Don't let, don't let, just don't be overwhelmed. You know, Satan, I'm pretty sure he was, he was fueling the fire. And he was telling me I couldn't do it. But then we get to this actual section of scripture here about the, the Ethiopian eunuch. And for all the good things he had going, he was lost. Now here's the, here's the crux of the message. This is it. There's a lot of people that are living in sin and that, that are, are not saved that need to be saved. That, that is the understatement of the year. Wouldn't you agree? People need to be saved. That shouldn't surprise you. That shouldn't take you, catch you off guard and you say, Wow, I didn't know there were people that needed to be saved. I'll say this. There's probably people sitting in this sanctuary right now that need to be saved. One person agrees with me. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just, I'm just pouring out my heart to you. And they, they, they know about it. See, the, the thing is, a lot of these things we know. We know God is calling us to a closer relationship. We know that God is calling us into something. And people, lost people, know they need to be saved. A lot of lost people, now those Muslims I talked about a few minutes ago, they may not know, they may not have understood that yet, but people that hear the gospel over and over again, they get it, they know that, and, and yet what it is is they have a hindrance in their life somewhere. Where is it? What is it? What, what, what is keeping people from being saved? And, and we have all these, uh, preachers have the cliches and, and we have these reasons and explanations and say, well, the, the world is dark and sin is prevalent and, and all this. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going medieval on you. We say that sometimes. But I want you to understand that, that in the real world that people are sitting under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and there's something coming between them and God. What is it? Just to be honest with you, I can't fully answer that question because I don't know. It is unique from individual to individual. Just as unique as you Christians have your different hindrances for the call of God or whatever it is, lost people have different hindrances. Lost people have different reasons and different things coming between them and the gospel and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For some lost people, I'll say this, that it's just simply their pride. 
They're just, they're just simply too proud to ask God to save them. They're just, or, or, uh, and you know, I'll say this, I like it when people walk an aisle, don't you? I'm, I'm sort of, I guess I'm a little old-fashioned in that way. You can accept Jesus in the pew, but you know, I like to see people come to an altar. And a lot of people simply will not come to the altar because, get this, they just don't want you to know they're lost. They're just too prideful to take that step and to come and kneel down at the altar and accept Jesus into their heart. Remember, they know they need to be saved. They understand that. They get it. But, but then they're just, maybe they're just too proud. Or some people, you know, maybe, maybe they're just, they're too scared. And they say to themselves, because I'll tell you this, when the Holy Spirit starts convicting you, the devil is going to start fighting you. Uh, it's, 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 not, it's not unique. It's not just you. It's every lost person that has ever walked the face of this earth. And guess what? That's been everybody at one point in time. And God will begin to deal with people. And, and, they'll, and they'll begin to get fearful. And, and for whatever reason it is, you know, they may be afraid that they can't live it. They may be afraid, and this goes back to pride, they're afraid of, of what people think. And fear takes over. And they're just too scared to come. I can't do this. And, and then another thing that I've heard, and, and this one's a big one, that when I go witness to people and talk to people, is they say, well, I'm not worthy to be saved. Do you know what I've done? God can't save me. And Satan puts that lie, and that hinders them. What they've probably heard, and, and this will lead me to a, a quick point that I just want to throw in here sort of as a, an aside, is that a lot of lost people think that they can't be saved because they've heard somebody that's a Christian say something like that. I heard a guy, I, I witnessed to a guy one time, and he got saved later on, and that's what he said to me. He said, he said this, he said, and this, I'm, just, I'm just throwing out there what he said, okay? He said, I've been divorced. He said, and I've done drugs, and I've used alcohol, and, and I still use alcohol. That's what he told me. He said, I don't do drugs anymore. And he said, and he said I'm living with my girlfriend. And, and he gave me this big list, okay? And he said, God cannot save me in the condition that I'm in. And then he proceeded to say this. He went on to say, and this is, this is my paraphrase of it. He said, the preacher down the road from me, I think he said it was his, his uncle's preacher, that is one of his parents, some, somehow a preacher related to his family, had told him that God would not save him because of that stuff. And that turned my stomach upside down. I'm going to read you a verse, if, if it's okay, about that. And here, here's my little aside for the moment. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12. And it says this, If others be partakers of this power over you, are we not rather 
Nevertheless, we have not used this power, that is the power to spread the gospel, but suffer all things. And then, and then listen to this next little section of scripture. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. The Apostle Paul, get that. The Apostle Paul, we, we highly regard him, right? You know what he said? He said, I don't want to be a hindrance to the gospel. Now, now, back to the main part of the message there is, is that that man, that preacher, whoever he was, I don't know what his denomination was, I don't know his affiliations, I don't know who he was, but that man, that, that preacher was hindering my lost friend from being saved. And he didn't feel worthy. And guess what? He was not worthy. But you know what? When you got saved, neither were you. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't. I, just, I grew up in church, but that didn't make me any more of a qualified candidate to get saved than the next guy. Sure, I, you know, I've never, I've never been on drugs and done a bunch of crazy things. I've done a few crazy things in my life, and you have too, probably, but, and things I'm not proud of. But understand this, that, that didn't, those things did not make me any more qualified. So we have people this morning probably in this place right now that need to be saved and yet there's something. I don't know what it is. I can't identify that. If you ask me to identify that, I probably won't be able to. That's between you and God, right? All these hindrances that we have, it, it, it's not that we can go to the preacher and, and he, can, he can make it better or that we can go to church and we can do this and do that to make it better. It's a thing that we have to take to God. All these hindrances, this, these unrepentant hearts and these laziness and, and all these feelings of inferiority and, and all these things, you know, you're never going to feel good enough to do this or do that, but God still asks you to do these things. So here, the message this morning is simply this. That, that guy asked the question that eunuch said, here is water. So there's our baptistry, and, it, and it's, it's not full right now. I'd love to fill it up, wouldn't you? Man, a pastor friend of mine from Chattanooga, Adam Clagg, a lot of you know him, pastor done at Covenant down in uh, Chattanooga. Last night he posted on Facebook, and, and I call this a humble brag, I guess. He took a picture of him filling his baptistry up, and he said, there's nothing I love to do more than fill up a baptistry on a Saturday evening. I said, praise the Lord, me either. And I would love to do that so, so we can have water, and, and you know, you can be baptized but there's something that's coming in between you and that. And he said it in, in Acts chapter 9. He asked him the question, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said in verse 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou may. And he answered and said, And here's, here's the salvation plan. Here's how to be saved. It's so simple. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Simply believing. Man, if, if my friend that I was witnessing to would have waited till he was, you know, moved out and, and you know, and, and he went to AA enough that he felt like he was comfortable not drinking alcohol anymore and all these other things, these hindrances. And I told him, and when I tell people how to be saved, I try not to be a hindrance. Let me understand that. When you, Christians, let me say, if you're leading somebody to Jesus, don't make it complicated. Don't hinder the process. 
We'll, we'll get to the other stuff later, but tell them that the way to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 9, verses 9 and 10 says that if you'll just believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Simple. That's not complicated. There's no hindrances there. There's no hoops to jump through or anything like that. Just believe. But what's hindering you? Is it your pride? Is it, is, it, is it somebody hindering you? Maybe you're afraid of what somebody will think. Well, what will my spouse think or, or my children or my parents? You know, they go to this church and, and I come to this church just to humor my, my spouse. And, and that's why I'm not getting saved. I've heard, I've heard it all. But at the end of the day, it's, it's just a hindrance. It's getting in your way of going to heaven. Did you know that? These hindrances are not just hindrances that you can be part of this body, but it's actually a hindrance of your entire eternity. Your eternal destiny is hinging on the fact that you're thinking and care about what somebody thinks. Am I preaching to anybody? I'm just trying, I'm just trying to be as straightforward as I can. I'm not trying to, to give you the best theological dissertation I can this morning. The message is simply this. Just get the hindrance out of the way and do what God is telling you to do. Let's stand and bow our heads. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. And Lord, I'm asking you to do something. God, I'm asking you to do a work in this place. And God, we know that, that you're working here because your message, your word just went out. And God, I know that it will not return void. And Lord, I just pray that if there is anybody lost here, that you would save them. And that Lord, that they would have to ask that question, well, here's water. Let's get baptized and I can, I can tell, tell them how to be saved. God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would, would do His work that's already being done this morning. And that, God, you would minister to people. And, God, you would help and have your way. Lord, we trust you. And, God, we thank you. In Jesus' name.